You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Built by Bama online podcast presents T. Watts and TR on a Thursday, April the 2nd, 2020. Travis Ryer. Senior analyst for BOL, joined by my longtime colleague, site publisher, Tim Watts there at BamaOnline.com as we continue to try to move through this COVID-19 pandemic. And with it, Tim, we check in on a weekly basis. It's kind of become sort of a wellness check, I think, for both of us, just to make sure that we're hanging in there. And I wanted to ask you first and foremost as we get going, and we got a lot to get to podcast today we're gonna we're going to draft alabama's nfl draftables coming up we're going to get into that round table mailbag which we certainly appreciate your input into that on the round table each and every week uh but tim around casa de watts have we officially reached the stage in all of this where we're cutting each other's hair are y'all are you guys in barbershop mode yet over there Man, we're getting close, I think, and it scares me. <laughs> I'm trying to bring up the old late 80, early 90s hairstyles to see what I can do with this rapidly growing, scratching head of mine. Uh, uh-huh. The other ones don't seem to care. The other ones yeah. don't seem worried about it, but I've always kept a tight guard around my around my ear. I'm a little nervous around here. I think we're headed there, though. Do you have a COVID-19 beard? At this point, what is the the facial hair status? No, it's it's I'm clean shaven more than ever. So every other day, I mean, I'm bored. Yeah. I got to do something. So I've decided to be uh, to shave regularly for the first time in my life. <laughs> I don't think just, I can take a beard right now. I'd lose my mind. Yeah, just some type of regimen, right? Even if it's shaving every couple of days, you need to do it. Just yeah. for your, your mental health as much as anything else. Yes, I'm by far doing stuff more regular than I ever have before. We are in barbershop mode around here. Uh, last week, I went ahead and just gave the uh, clippers to the 18-year-old daughter, the youngest of the three, and put a foreguard on that baby and told her to have some fun. And she did. She did a good job, actually. I mean, you know, my thought is what can possibly go wrong with a with a foreguard on there? And you kind of pointed out in our pre-pod discussion, well, your ears you know you could lose an ear or something and uh you know i survived it i thought i tipped her pretty well for the uh for the haircut but yeah we're we're already in that mode we're cutting hair we're cutting hair around here that's kind of where it's at but um thin ice right now (laughs) he's on thin ice oh my goodness man i feel so bad for that kid we've talked about it she's a 2020 high school senior and just gosh with each passing week Something else has just come off the board for her, whether it was prom, whether it was spring break, uh, graduation coming up. And it's uh, got to give her some type of outlet. She seemed to enjoy that uh, with the Clippers. Um, Tim, wanted to talk to you, too, about, you know, we, we get into the television. So, I mean, because we both enjoy Netflix and cable. And we're going to talk about more of this probably uh, as we get into the mailbag, I know we have some questions related to some shows uh, in the mailbag. What do you have a recommendation for us this week after the last six or seven days that you would that you would throw at the listenership? 
you know, all you guys were way ahead of it, you know, way ahead of it before I was with the Tiger King. It was, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, I kept, I knew something was up with you and guys that are pretty articulate and, 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 and watch a lot of shows. You can't, y'all couldn't really describe it. You know, half the people I knew that loved it, not, not even sure they wish they'd watched it. So <laughs> I knew I had to watch it. That was in, I still don't know what to make of it. I fell in a, a rabbit hole later after, after we finished that show, Googling and finding old stuff that those people did. It was just amazing to me. It's still, um, I know most of the people are, are onto that watching that. I watched those arts this week too. I know you yeah. love that show. Uh-huh. So both of those, they were fantastic. Yeah, we're still not going to get into too much in the way of details because there's folks, I guess, believe it or not, that haven't seen Tiger King at this point or even uh, Ozark Season 3. But I thought both delivered, and I wasn't really – I don't think anybody knew what to expect from Tiger King. And that's what made it all the more captivating as you moved from episode to episode. You just could not believe what was unfolding through the course of those seven shows. and. Um, I've been asked kind of the most troubled, I guess you could say, individual in Tiger King. Was it really Joe Exotic or uh, was it someone else? I mean, Doc Ankle. Uh, you had Carol. You know, Carol, from the moment they put her on the show, I was like, no, that that's that's crazy right there. That that person. Um, maybe the most impressive person on the entire show was a young lady who lost a limb as a result of her her uh, work there on the uh on the on the on the tiger farm or the tiger uh lion farm and uh Tim it looked like she was back to work in like 48 hours. Yeah, I wish I could get y'all to work like that. She's like, "Snatch <laughs> snatch my arm off. Should I rehab it or should you cut that thing off, doc? I do not have time for rehab." Yeah, I don't think Joe adhered to uh workers comp principles there at the uh at the zoo tim i think it was i mean she came back she was great on the show she's just casually sitting there with the nub showing you know hat sideways she's just chit-chatting with it she's very honest came off as very honest she didn't seem particularly uh uh biased one way or the other i tell you the guy that blows my mind is the dude on that uh jet ski kenny power yeah i care his name both yeah. of, my goodness. Yeah. Informant. I've seen yeah, he, he ratted on everybody in the end, didn't he? Over a lemur <laughs> over that thing in Madagascar movie. He ratted him out for a monkey in Madagascar. Hey, it's a good um, thing that dude's in uh Oklahoma because if that was New York or somewhere like that, he would have been whacked a long time ago. I mean he I might yeah, I mean he still might. I I'm not sure that dude didn't just tell all of his business and not everybody knew till now. I think he might have been a secret informant. Now it's not so secret. That I'll tell you, the internet, the Twitter did great. They had a uh, that scene where he was on the uh, jet ski. They put music to that. I saw him coming up to uh, Tori's Big. I saw him coming up. You take my breath away was my favorite one. He comes up. They've slow motion that, looking like Kenny Powers in episode two of Eastbound and Down. It was amazing. Oh, it was a straight Kenny Powers ripoff, but you didn't care because it was still so perfect. I mean, no, it was absolute, absolute. He might have was, been better it, than Kenny. It was, it was because this dude's it, real. Yeah, this guy he, is. This isn't fiction. He this took is those a glasses off. He took those glasses off. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ah, 
speaking of non-fictional sports, unfortunately, we got to get back to the real world here a little bit. Um, we've seen here in the last few days, Tim, Wimbledon and now the British Open both canceled. Wimbledon, for the first time since World War II, will not be contested uh, over in the UK. So with those major, major sporting events being added to the list, I ask you, which of these postponed or canceled uh, events to this point uh, has you most saddened? Or is it the, has it been the big dance? Has it been Major League Baseball? Is it one of these two new ones? Um, the Masters being postponed for the time being? Uh, who you got at the top of that list? And it just comes in waves. I mean, the NCAA tournament hit me the hardest. That was the first, really. Um, and then Major League Baseball, you know, the opening day, I sat outside watching the Major League Baseball channel, some old game, smoking a cigar when it was supposed to be opening day. So that hit me hard that day. And then, of course, it's still the trickle effect. I thought they might actually play tennis um, since it's a one-on-one across the across the net sport. I mean, I was probably being naive. No crowd. That's yeah. what I thought, and maybe even golf, you know. I, and yeah. I've seen people suggest, I'm not a huge golf guy, but I've seen people suggest, like, doing a one-on-one tournament, maybe an NCAA format, top 64 players, and just let them play each other, which wouldn't be, I mean, I imagine that would kill television, wouldn't it? You know, if you get Yeah, two, oh, no, no doubt about it. You know, and, you don't, uh, even nine holes, you know, it would be fantastic. And that has to be safe, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, we've seen made-for-TV golf events in the past, right? Um, Battle of Bighorn uh, featuring Tiger Woods more often than not. Most recently, we saw the million-dollar winner-take-all match between Phil Mickelson uh, and Tiger Woods that was essentially made for TV out in Vegas. Uh, You could definitely do it. Um, I think the Masters and some of these events are built in such a way between the, the, the prestige and fat wallets that they have in their membership there at Augusta national, um, you know, that, that they're not to the point of desperation that they've got to put on the event in some form or fashion to recoup the television dollars, uh, the massive television that. So no, it's going to be, it's going to continue to be interesting. And certainly, you know, when we view things through the lens that we do at BamaOnline.com, obviously we're, we're peeking ahead to the fall and, and what this continuation of cancellations and or postponements might mean as we get into July now. I mean, we're into July with Wimbledon and the British Open. So with that, I need to check your desperation meter as it relates to the possibility of college football not being played in 2020. Where are you at right now in terms of anxiety in that regard, Tim? And I just can't believe it. I'm not saying it won't happen, that they won't play, but I just can't believe it. I don't know. I mean, this whole thing just sort of seems like a weird movie to me. I tell everybody I wake up every day feeling like I'm in that movie where I know the plot and keep waiting for the uh, for the hero or the end. But I just I can't, fathom not having, yeah. I can't fathom not having football. I just can't. Of course, I couldn't, you know, never could have imagined the NCAA tournament or Major League Baseball suspended or Wimbledon for Pete's sake. So um, I'm getting there. I'm probably midway. I'm still holding out that April <clears throat> brings a lot of hope for us and a lot more progress. I feel like there's – I don't want to get too much into politics, but I feel like there's been some things done right, some progress made, and then there's been setbacks. 
And also, these damn models they keep throwing out. Lord have mercy, man. Yeah. I mean, these things change with the wind, and then they adjust, and then they're high. The model doesn't match a week later what they said. They just adjust it to make it a new one. So I think we're still learning about this as we go. I do think the smart thing to do is try to get to the summer and figure it out. And yeah. I still think we're in that. Football's an animal, though, because you got to train and you got to practice to get on that field. You do. And, um, you know, the reality is even the specialists and the experts on this type of topic, this particular uh, disease is new. I mean, it's, it, it, you don't know exactly what it is, or we're still, as you said, learning about the disease itself. So even from the most trusted of voices that we sort of lean on, these are folks that don't know entirely uh, or even partially what's going to happen in the next two or three months. Uh, ultimately, of course, we all want a proven and effective vaccine. That's the big picture answer. But, you know, what? what's the time frame for something like that, really? Um, you know, we just don't know. Obviously, first and foremost, our concern is the immediate health of the folks of the United States and beyond. Uh, but it literally is. It, it changes. It does. It seems to change daily. The numbers change daily. Uh, unfortunately, some numbers rise daily that we certainly would like to see start to drop. Uh, but it's kind of the uncertainty and the surreal nature that you spoke to that we're living right now, day to day. Um, Tim, as far as uh, some other topics we wanted to get into today, uh, we did drop our all three-star team for the Nick Saban era at Alabama on BamaOnline.com this morning. And with that, I was able to come up with 25 players, 25 three-star signees, that Nick Saban has brought in during his time at UA that I felt really good about. Felt good about four defensive linemen. Uh, the secondary with guys like Eddie Jackson, Kareem Jackson, Robert Lester, Vinny Sanceri, Vinny Sanceri, certainly legitimate performers back there. I talked about the defensive front, guys like Josh Chapman, Terrence Cody. Nothing really in the way of linebackers. Kind of had to gloss over that position altogether. Uh, offensively, you're talking about guys like Bradley Bozeman that certainly developed into really good players. I mean, Josh Jacobs goes without sort of saying. Mac Jones, by default, was the quarterback on this team because unlike any other three-star quarterback that has come in during the Nick Saban era, Mac Jones has actually started some football games for the Crimson Tide. Uh, you consider some offensive linemen like Chance Warmack. Uh, so with those names kind of out there, specifically the ones that I just threw at you, who would you put at the top of the three-star signees for the University of Alabama in the Nick Saban era? Who you got there at the top of that list? You know, impact in college, I think it's hard not to really include Terrence Cody. You know, yeah. a guy had big plays, changed sort of that defense, stick his big old behind in the middle of that defense and hog the middle, blocked a couple of kicks stuff like that so you're talking from that angle if you're talking about just a pure talent or you know to me kareem jackson is one of the best evals they ever had yeah. uh you know kid didn't have a lot of big offers alabama goes in and gets him he's still in the national football league talent wise eddie jackson uh was another great evaluation a guy that was injured uh junior year they came out they evaluated and got on him late so 
you know, depending on the criteria there, and certainly Chance Warmack and uh, is another. There's so many guys deserving on this. Chance Warmack is a guy, still one of my favorite offensive linemen in college. He's back in the NFL, getting a second chance after being healthy. So, but he was another guy going to Georgia, and you land that kind of kid that ends up top ten in the NFL draft. Yeah, I'm with you. It kind of depends on how you want to look at it. Uh, in terms of immediate impact and popularity that followed him throughout his just really short career, it was just two years for Terrence Cody. It's it's hard to look away from Terrence Cody. Now, if you want to talk about a guy that was a part of multiple national championship teams, a guy who performed at an All-America level for multiple years uh, and went on to become a top 10 pick at the next level, you said it, Chance Warmack. Uh, accolades, championships, level of play, you combine all those things, um, Chance Warmack would probably be my guy at the top of the list. But if you're just talking about all-around football players, guys that you could probably play at multiple positions or even a guy or two who did, in fact, play multiple positions during their time at Alabama, I think Eddie Jackson um, and Josh Jacobs, uh, their versatility, uh, what they were able to do both positionally and also in the return game, right? I mean, Josh Jacobs was a really good return guy when given the opportunity on kickoffs. And we know what Eddie Jackson did anytime he got the ball in his hands, whether it was a takeaway, whether it was a punt return. Uh, you look back at, I guess it was the 2016 season in that game at Ole Miss. I mean, Alabama was circling the drain in the first half uh, of that game over in Oxford and Jackson comes up with that huge punt return for a touchdown really helps sway things in favor of the Crimson Tide over there. So I guess the point is it hasn't been all four and five stars that have produced at a very high level during the. No, not at all. I mean, you've had guys and you know, they, you know, everybody talks about the Bama bump, but there's a certain respect that goes with signing from certain schools. And, you know, the first time I really noticed it was back under Pete Carroll at USC where they would take a kid we weren't familiar with. You'd watch his film, and he was a fantastic guy. And, you know, he sort of, you know, you look at him a little harder. And this goes for a lot of colleges. You look at them anytime they commit. But when they go to Ohio State, when they go to, you know, when they go to uh, Georgia, when they go to Alabama, LSU, you know, even Texas, all those schools, you look at them, and I think a lot of these guys could have easily been four-star guys. Um, you know, certainly in hindsight, we're deserving of top 100 rankings, I'd say. Well, and I'll say this for Josh Jacobs and 247sports.com. 247sports.com had Josh Jacobs as a four-star. You know, that we're basing these three stars on this list off the industry-generated 24-7 sports composite which is a combination of outlets uh, that rank prospects. But just from the 24-7 sports perspective, you know, a guy like Josh Jacobs uh, by our guys uh, was rated as a four-star. So you got to take that into consideration as well. And, you know, we mentioned all these guys, and we haven't even talked about Irv Smith Jr. Had the monster year in 2018. Um, some guys that were sort of low-key impactful. Uh, Christian Jones as a kick returner, uh, especially in 2013. Some of these specialists, what about J.K. Scott? I mean, we've talked about this before. This was a punter that was a three-star, which is really the ceiling for specialists when it comes to prospect rankings. Three is about the best you're going to do, I think. Um, but if there was ever a guy that was deserving of 
something more than a three, it was J.K. Scott. He was just, yeah, I mean, we went over this last week. We talked about it. I still can't get over when I met him in Mobile how tall he was. I mean, that was long. I mean, yeah. I knew he was long. I knew he was tall. You know, I could see him on the field, and he was bigger than everybody. But in person, I mean, that is a big that is a big guy. And yeah, you're talking about an MVP, small guy, you know, guys that, you know, you know, most people that watched, if you're not an Alabama fan, you probably didn't realize how good J.K. Scott was. Um, but that was a guy that flipped the field, that pinned you down, put you where you needed to be, especially with the defenses he had behind him and the lean on the offenses he had with him. So, yeah, certainly could have easily been the best of that bunch. 89 three-star signees in the Nick Saban era to this point. 15 of those in that very first 2007 class, and a handful of those guys made this all three-star team of the Nick Saban era, Josh Chapman, along the defensive line. I know he had an interesting uh, recruitment and how that sort of played out, Tim, and looked at one point like he was headed across the state. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Sorry, I lost you there for a minute. Say that again, Travis. Josh Chapman, and uh, we're talking about yes, some of the 2007 I, signees. Yeah, Josh was interesting. You know, Saban and them came in, and that was probably a sign they they uh, they came straight in. Josh had wanted to go to Alabama, hadn't really been recruited by Alabama um, as well. He just didn't like Alabama as much either. They hadn't really pushed for him. Saban came in and went after him. Of course, uh, Marquise Mays was a big one. That kid's recruitment. We need to revisit that one day because Michigan, right? Michigan, Wasn't that Michigan? Yeah, Michigan. When he committed to Tennessee at one point, I think he was uh, dead set on leaving the state. A little bit different kid. I mean, uh, uh, his name was out there. Travis Williams was another guy that was committed. So they came in and flipped a few of those guys right out of the gate, landing some guys in state. And those they they helped Alabama. They helped Alabama on special teams. Obviously, Josh was a good player. Played in the NFL for a little bit. Marquise Mays was a heck of a football player. So that was sort of them coming in and just sort of, you know, they didn't have much time when they got here, if you remember. It was Wait. it was Nick Saban was finishing that NFL season. They were coming flying in, trying to land guys. And and, and really, that's, what, that's when you felt really good about Saban when you watched him because he, he didn't come in trying to – Waste a lot of time on the on the senior class, but he was already working Mobile super hard. He probably was written a condo down there. He was there so often during that the evaluation period, setting the tone for Mark Barron and, and Julio Jones and and Burton Scott and all those guys down there. So, but yeah, Josh was a huge flip. Yeah, a lot of these 2007 guys went on to become really central figures in either the 2009 our 2011 national championship teams. Guys like Chapman redshirted. Alfred McCullough was a three-star in that 2007 class that redshirted and ultimately in 2011 became a very important piece uh, of that Alabama offensive line because you had some three situations in 2011 involving Barrett Jones, involving Anthony Steen at guard, and you were able to take a versatile guy like Alfred McCullough 
and plug him in there uh, at some different spots. And he, he continued to, to give you a high level of play there on that offensive line. So uh, interesting piece. We hope you'll check it out at BamaOnline.com. It's the all-three-star team, all-three-star signee team in the Nick Saban era at UA. It is T. Watts and TR on a Thursday, April the 2nd, 2020. Other topics we want to get to. Tim, let's draft right now some NFL draft eligible players for this 2020 NFL draft, which sounds like Roger Goodell, whether anybody shows up or not, Tim, Roger Goodell's having a draft party on the 23rd. Yeah, they're going at it. I was curious to see because if you think about it in some ways, I wanted to have it. We, I feel like it, it's needed. You know, some kind of. I, I agree with the people saying that a little bit normalcy would be good here. So I agree with that 100%. But I, you know, I kind of feel for the guys that like Tua is a prime example of a guy who was going to get to throw at his senior day and couldn't. You saw a lot of guys <clears throat> who preferred to do their pro their pro days at their college as opposed to the combine. Not a lot of them, but enough. Um, they were looking forward to that. So they're actually that that part of whatever they were going to do, good or bad, is uh, is cut out when they're evaluating these guys now. So you're not going to see two a throw. And I don't know if there was an ever more anticipated event happening was there. I mean, the, the two a throw. And that's one of the biggest things I can remember going into yeah. a, a recent combine is just how was he going to throw? How was he going to move? Yeah, that was set for, I believe, April the 9th coming up. But it looks like that's going to come and go, obviously, without taking place. Perhaps virtually, Lee Steinberg and that agency are able to put together something. And I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're almost probably on a daily basis, you know, taping drills that two is uh, participating in and making sure clubs are getting all of that. Um, But, you know. There's going to be a trust factor involved if you're these NFL teams, too, and you're not able to actually put your eyes on Tua doing this stuff uh, because we know that an agency in, in doing what it should do for its client is going to project him in a way in which it's most favorable. I mean, that's that's just common sense. But what we're going to do here today, Tim, is I, we got 12 draftable Alabama players for the upcoming draft is what I've come up with. I've come up with a dozen. Tua Tagovailoa, Jedrick Wills, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs III, Xavier McKinney, Trayvon Diggs, Terrell Lewis, Raquan Davis, Anthony Jennings, Jared Maiden, Shaheem Carter, and Matt Womack. I don't think I'm missing anyone among sort of a top 12 if you were going to put one together. So what we'll do is you get first pick, and then I'm going to pick the next two. I get the next two picks. And then from that point through the entirety of the 12 players, we'll go back and forth with picks, and we'll see what we come up with with our respective draft classes. So with the number one overall pick among Alabama draftables for 2020, Tim Watts selects. You know, I've been beating this drum for a while. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going. With, I'm still going with Henry Ruggs. Wow. I I I just I I just after watching the NFL and seeing the guys that change the game and seeing the guys that that change you know the Christian McCaffrey who's sort of a unique individual and and even McCole Hardman who went in and replaced Tyreek Hill I think Henry's in that vein of a player that you can put in the backfield I think you can run him on sweeps he can play inside he can play outside special teams his toughness is unquestionable. Um, his, you know, everything he does is really, I mean, he's fast. He's fast. He's really fast. So I'll go with Henry. I know that that'll probably be a little bit of a questionable pick, 
Uh, certainly some great guys there, but I'm just a big I'm a big believer in Henry Ruggs. If he lands in the right spot, if he lands he lands in Kansas City, for instance, they can just not play the next few seasons. To be honest with you, that offense will be unstoppable, insane. With uh, that's already pretty <laughs> it's already pretty good without Henry, but. I just think adding another guy that mix with that offensive mind would be really good. Yeah, one Tariq Hill is enough to deal with, but two potentially in that offense. Cole Hardman and Travis Kelsey. I mean, you got you got some very unique individuals. No doubt, no doubt about that. I like the pick for pretty much every reason you outlined. I, if we're going to talk about just all around football players on this list that we're going to go through today. I'd have to probably put Henry Ruggs at third at the very top because of offense and, and the versatility on that side of the ball. And you also get the sense that Henry hadn't played his best football yet. You know, I mean, this guy is by today's standards anyway, right? Sort of a, he's been a late bloomer to the sport. So um, it's, it, I believe Tim, it's safe to say his, his ceiling among all these guys might be the highest. I just don't think he's been the feature player yet, you know. Yeah. I mean, he he's been really he's been a really great. You probably could mark him down as number two receiver, but he was it was always the number one receiver was always uh, revolving. You'd always have Judy, you'd always have Devonta who had a great year. Waddle would jump in there pretty quick and have a great game, but Ruggs was always right there. I just can't get. I, I love the guy because he's tough and he's beyond a freak when it comes to athleticism. I mean, his, I love the toughness of this dude, man. That's what that's what gets me. And this guy, he was, is a dog, Tim. He is, he is, he is. He's 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 got a little hunger in him there, you know. So that's my guy. I think I, I've said it before. If you wanted to put Henry Ruggs at third at like star on defense, or you know anywhere in that secondary, I, I think he could play in the National Football League if that's where you had trained him for a few years and really gotten him up to speed. And it speaks to that, that all around ability and the mindset, the physicality in which he doesn't mind sort of exhibiting when it's needed. Uh, not a, I can't argue with Henry Ruggs a third at all. With that being said, Tim, with the next two picks, I'm going to, I got to go with two. I can't let Tua go beyond two. I guess I could, because I got the next two picks. I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, I've got two and three, but I, I'm going to go to a, um, continue to be encouraged by the positive medical reports we see out there. Uh, there's going to be, again, some of the trust issues in terms of exactly what they mean. I know Tua here in the last day has said on SportsCenter on ESPN, he thinks he could go today, uh, play today, uh, if it came down to it. I just can't not take this guy and that that ability, that that passing not just the physical aspects of it, but the instinctive nature in which we've seen Tua perform for so many years now. So I got to go Tua number two, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna bring his guy with him. I got to go Jerry Judy, although it's a, it, it's a little bit of a conflict for me because I feel like I appreciate the line of scrimmage more than most folks. Um, but man, if if I can if I can go ahead and pair Tua had so much success with the last couple of three years. I'm going to keep that battery in place, Tim, and I'm going to go Tua and Jerry Judy uh, with my two picks at two and three. Look, with Tua, the thing is, like, you know, we've seen him make the throws every throw. You know what he can do throwing. I mean, I guess you're just trusting physically. 
I guess the trust factor will come in at how he is physically. But, I mean, you've got doctors that aren't – doctors are going to be pretty honest for the most part about where the, where he's at, especially the, the level of doctors that he's seeing. So, I mean, it's one thing to trust an agent. It's another thing to trust a doctor and say – and like you said, the biggest thing is the proofs in the pudding. That little short snitch, uh, little uh, film they showed him move the other day, he looked great. Yeah. Um, again, that's not a big test and all, but that is sort of the drills that they're going to run. I mean, he was opening up his hip. He was making the throw. He's running forward. He's running sideways. He's doing all that. Certainly a great sign that, I mean, I don't think you could do that with pain. <laughs> I mean, I've had, you know, I've had pain. I don't think I could have been hitting those cones like he was. So, yeah, two is a great pick. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, Judy, I love Judy. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm cheating on him because I love on rugs so much. I feel like I'm being unfaithful. Uh, he's just so solid. You know what I mean? He's just so solid. I think people have forgotten. For some reason in this draft, everybody wanted C.D. Lamb to be the best wide receiver, and he is a good wide receiver. There's no doubt about it. But, I mean, Judy does stuff. His footwork, I mean, he's like Calvin Ridley on yeah. speed. You know, he's like Calvin Ridley on speed. I mean, he's a faster Calvin Ridley. Great. Calvin ran great routes, great, unbelievable routes. And Judy does that, but he's faster. You know, he's faster. He's got another guy with really good hands and everything else. So, yeah, you hook those two up on the same team, that'd be trouble. It does seem like at times when you listen to different draft analysts and and, and what the, quote, buzz is surrounding certain prospects, it almost does sound like people are trying to talk themselves out of Jerry Judy more than into Jerry Judy, which the film would seem to tell you that that it should be the other way around. But, um, you know, I look at Jerry Judy in terms of a high floor. I think he's got a higher floor than Henry Ruggs III. I think at, at the worst, you know you're going to get a really, really good slot-type receiver. You made that sort of comparison to Calvin Ridley. And I think as far as an entry level into the National Football League, I think that holds up quite well. With the number two overall pick for Team Tim in this draft of Alabama draftables for 2020, who you got as your next pick there, Tim? Dude, I'm doing definitely no-brainer Jedrick Wills. Um, I know that was probably a tough decision for you, as you said. Just a big guy that moves well. You know, I find it interesting to see his value because he was a right tackle in college. Um, I wonder how tempting it is for a team to try to take two and pair him with make that move. I don't know if that's even that's that's not a bad idea because, you know, for for two, he is a left tackle. So, I mean, just a big guy that can move well. Love this kid out of high school. He's exceeded every expectation. Uh, the next one is Terrell Lewis for me. Uh, I'm an upside guy. And if, and I know it's a big if, if you get this guy healthy, we've seen what he can do. And uh, the law of averages says he's got to be have those health issues behind him. He's still a young guy. Um, just a big, you know, awesome-looking athlete that can move, that can make plays out on that edge. NFL love those athletic guys. He's going to bat down a lot of passes in the National Football League as well. I mean, obviously the question there is with his injury history, but when he's not injured, and we've seen this, and don't forget, I mean, people, I mean, it's it's weird, you know, because I talk to people, but the NFL ain't nearly as physical 365 days a year as college football is. Terrell's not going to be out there doing Oklahoma drill, you know, <laughs> with the Ravens or yeah. whoever, wherever he goes to. So his body's going to have a chance to heal. Um 
he's going to be a little bit smarter, a little bit better. And I think that athleticism that he possesses is really going to take over. Yeah, there's no argument whatsoever with Jedrick Wills as that number four overall pick in this draft. And, um, you know, I've talked with some some folks that are more tuned into the draft side of things. And, you know, that sort of that sort of reoccurring question about Jedrick and can you flip him over to the left side? And, you know, my answer to that has been, yes, he's been a right tackle at Alabama, but he's also been a right tackle that UA, especially in the last year or so, hasn't felt the need to anchor a tight end next to him in passing situations to help him in pass protection, to send a back his way uh, to help out and pass pro. So even if you keep him on the right side, if you keep him on the right side and you don't have to commit extra help to him, that's really no different than if he plays on the left side because the way we sort of correlate all that is that, well, left tackle you put out there and you leave him by himself and he protects the blind side of the quarterback. Well, you can do the same thing with a right tackle. It just didn't the blind side. It was for Tua Tagovailoa the last couple of years with Jedrick Wills working on the right side and Tua being a left-hander. Um but more than anything, man, you just love this guy's raw power. Again, you talk about high floors. You know with Jedrick is uh, a right tackle in the run game, you're going to get a high level of, of, of production. Even if you feel the need eventually to move him inside to guard, he can do it there. Uh, so I think Jedrick Wills, when you talk about safe picks among these Alabama players, he may be the safest of all of them. Interesting with Terrell Lewis, and you're right, it's all about rushing the passer in the National Football League. As we know, uh, DPR are the, the sort of abbreviation that comes to mind with Terrell early in his career. That's designated pass rusher. Uh, if that's what you get out of him, essentially, in the first couple of years uh, in the National Football League, that's a big plus. You also hit on the health. That's obviously uh, the major question mark with Terrell. Um, with my next two picks, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Xavier McKinney. I just think for some of the reasons you talked about, Tim, with Henry Ruggs III, I can't turn down that sort of all-around football player. I do have some concerns about exactly his fit in the NFL. You know, is he kind of an undersized box safety? Uh, Can he actually get out into the slot and match up with some wide receivers? We didn't really see him do that at Alabama. He was more of a dime back. Uh, I, I have concerns that perhaps at some point he becomes an undersized Mark Barron, I guess is what I'm saying. And then at that point, he doesn't have the size of Mark Barron. Mark was able to sort of transition to a, a hybrid weak side linebacker role that's extended his career professionally. And then I'm going to go Anthony Jennings, maybe in a little bit of a wild card. I'm just a huge Anthony Jennings fan. I just think when you talk about intangibles like competitive character, I like his size. I think he could be uh, perhaps more of a lesser Dante Hightower in the NFL, Tim, in that you saw at the Senior Bowl, he got some looks even at inside linebacker. We know he can play outside linebacker. That's kind of the way Dante's been utilized both at Alabama and the NFL. So I'm going McKinney and Anthony Jennings up next. Yeah, I really like Xavier. I think he's the. I mean, I think he's a. He sort of had. You're right. He sort of has that in the box safety. But I think he covers a little bit better than we give him credit for. I think he's a guy's athletic, um, great ball skills. You know what I mean? He's really he's really smart getting to the ball, understanding the ball, calling the plays, all that kind of stuff. I think he's the best safety 
safety in the draft, even if he yeah. does end up more of that old school strong safety, more of that, more coming to the line. Hey, as big as NFL running backs are, it would help. It helps having a guy like look at Landon Collins making the money. <clears throat> Landon's not actually, you know, he's not uh, he's not Landon Island out there. So big guy comes in and makes tackles. I think Xavier uh, certainly fits that mold. Jennings, he's another one. He's gonna knock down a lot of passes. You know, those those quarterbacks get the ball out quick. They try to get it short. He's going to come in handy. You know, maybe a fit like the 49ers or somebody. You know, they did a really good job bottling up that those short passes. Uh, they don't need some defensive lines. So he's a guy that's kind of super long arms, uh, smart, smart guy. You know, another one sort of seemed a little bit banged up this year. Uh, so, yeah, I love both those picks. Who you got next for us? I'm going to go – at this stage, I'm going to go with pretty good value with Trayvon Diggs. Yeah. I've never really bought he's a first-round pick, um, and certainly not as high. And he might go in the first round. I don't know. I know he's a, he's a beautiful-looking athlete, which helps him. He's got a great bloodline with his brother uh, in the NFL, another good athlete. He's not very physical, um, but, you know, the NFL's not really about physical cornerbacks. I wish he had tested. In some ways, I think he helped his stock by not testing – because a lot of those corners tested and tested poorly. So I think that helped. I wish he had a little bit more testing because I thought he did fairly well. Um, sort of an upside guy. I don't, I don't think the physicality part's going to affect him that much. And then, of course, I got to go Raekwon, who just never really, you know, and I sort of got a soft spot for Raekwon because he's went through, what, four coaches in four years. Um, it's been a little rougher for him. I think than for other, I think he needed, you know, I think he's one of those guys that benefited from a Bo Davis type coach. I think that guy really related to him. And I think that's his freshman year when he was so good, right? When Bo was coaching him. His sophomore year, he was really good too. Okay. He had the big interception against Georgia in the national championship game, led Alabama in sacks as a sophomore. It was been a little down since then. You know what I mean? And he's got talent. Now he's not going to blow you up. He's not going to test well and all that stuff, but he's a football player. He's a big kid. I still think defensive tackle, grow into that position, hog that middle, get to the quarterback a little. He's fast enough to get in there and, you know, collapse a pocket. Yeah, you know, with Raekwon, I'm sure teams are looking at him at 6'6", uh, that that incredible length, that, that arm reach, that wingspan, uh, that sophomore tape and thinking this could be another Eric Armstead or DeForest Buckner that we saw with the San Francisco 49ers this past season definitely fits that sort of mold in terms of physical attributes. But you're right, the last couple of years, for whatever reason, uh, just hasn't been there in terms of production. I think with Trayvon, it certainly benefits him that he is very much at a position of value there have been highlights, the fumble return against Tennessee for 100 yards or whatever it was last October, chief among them. He's also had some some bumps in the road. Uh, a lot of corners struggled against Jamar Chase and those LSU receivers in 2019, and Trayvon had some of those as well. But you're right, measurables, uh, the, what you anticipate he'll test. And the thing we forget, too, is – with some of these guys is that they had junior pro days, right? Like the year before. So there's some level of, you know, data that, that that's there for the teams. It, it may be a year old and obviously teams are always in, in, in search of that fresh, fresh numbers. Uh, but I think, I think the need for corners in the first round even uh, helps Trayvon. 
I'm with you. I'm not convinced he's a he's a first round guy, uh, but he could get in there late in the first round, maybe Kansas City somewhere like that. Now, physically, he's beautiful. I mean, he oh, looks no hard against LSU running, you know, like you said, turning that fumble against Tennessee. He looked like a million dollars. Um, I think he was a little bit better last year than this year. But I think it is a sign that they threw more at Trayvon all year than they threw at Pat. You know, that was sort of what stood out to me. It's like teams were still, you know, everybody's saying Pat. A lot of people thought Pat was off a little bit this year. Well, teams didn't throw his Pat at Pat as much as they did others. All right, so you have made selections of Henry Ruggs III, Jedrick Wills, Terrell Lewis, Trayvon Diggs, and Raquan Davis. That's five picks. You've got one left. I've got Tua, Jerry Judy, Xavier McKinney, and Anthony Jennings. What we'll do here is I'll make one pick, you make one pick, and whatever's left, that'll be my last pick. And so no, with Go th- ahead and get your team. No, don't change the rules. I'll take the last pick. I'm All right, okay well, with, their- with my you final – with my final two picks of these 12 Alabama draftable players, I'm going to go Shaheem Carter. I like his uh, versatility. This is a guy who's played corner. He's played safety. More than anything, he was Alabama's top star defender each of the last two seasons. So I'm going to go with Shaheem Carter. And then I'm going to go with Matt Womack as an offensive lineman, a guy that started Every game for a national championship team at right tackle in 2017. We've seen him play some guard. As much as anything, the last year or so, it's been his health that's been an issue. He had those foot problems following that 2017 season. That opened the door even more for Jedrick Wills to walk in at right tackle. And once that happened, there wasn't no going back from Jedrick Wills. Um, so I like Carter and his versatility in the secondary. And kind of similar, I like Matt Womack in that, you know, as a as a reserve type. You know, if you carry seven offensive linemen, you want one of those two reserves to be able to play guard center, tackle guard. Um, I'm going to go with Matt Womack. And I guess, Tim, with that, that leaves you Jared Maiden. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind Jared that late. You know, he's no. a uh, he's a guy that's going to come, you know, have a chance to come in special teams, I imagine, and make a team. He's going to be tough. I think he's going to have Saban's blessing. You know, the coaches, it's going to help a little bit to have those guys in his corner. Um, I agree. You know, Matt Womack is a sneaky good pick because we've seen a lot of, you know, you know, a lot of NFL guys, versatile guys get picked up in that fourth and fifth and sixth round. And as you said, when you get to the NFL, you keep what, seven, eight offensive linemen? Yeah. Something like that. So when you get a guy that can play multiple positions, possibly, he's got a huge advantage. Yeah, when it comes to your reserves on, in the Sunday game, you, you want swing guys. You know, guard center, got to be able to play. And if you got a guy that can play all three, that's that's even better. Uh, but Womack certainly has documented production, documented tape there at the, uh, the guard and tackle spots. And you said it with Jared Maiden, a special teamer type. I think for some of these guys like Maiden, like Carter, um, maybe not so much for Diggs and McKinney because they're going to be higher round guys that are going to be expected to to impact uh, from a positional standpoint on defense. I think Anthony Jennings special teams could be big, maybe even Terrell Lewis. But uh, you, you overlook the kicking game a lot with these safeties and DBs and linebacker types, tight ends on offense, running backs on offense, and you know your mid round or later. That's sort of the tiebreaker in a lot of instances in terms of who makes not only clubs but active rosters. And can you help out 
in that area of the game. So there you go. Team Tim, uh, Team T. Watts, we'll call it. Henry Ruggs III, Jedrick Wills, Terrell Lewis, Trayvon Diggs, Raquan Davis, Jared Maiden. Team TR, Tua, Jerry Judy, Xavier McKinney, Anthony Jennings, Shaheem Carter, Matt Womack. That was pretty fun, Tim. I liked it. Yeah, there's, it, it helps when you have so many guys getting drafted. <laughs> I know that much. Gives it a lot more to talk about. No doubt about it. Hey, you ready to get into this uh, mailbag here on absolutely, the BOL roundtable? We look forward to that each and every week here on the podcast. And with that, we will venture in now. I've got to uh, I got to get us situated here. Where am I at? I'm looking for it. There we go. We're ready to go. Um, we will start with Philly underscore two underscore Bama Tim. And he gets right to it, man. He wants to know if we think Carol Baskin and Tiger King, the arch nemesis of Joe Exotica, do we think Carol fed her husband to a tiger when it was all said and done? Let's give our boy Philly a shout out. He's quarantined. He's a police officer up there up north. Yeah. And I saw he posted on the board he's quarantined. Doesn't think he, he's not sure he has anything, but he came in contact and he's our uh, our Atlanta Braves antagonist as well. He a <laughs> boy came out with the big roller earlier in the year when the Braves lost like the first game in a series to the Phillies. And he said, You like that or whatever? And boy, that was a that's a long year for him baseball wise. So uh yeah, um good luck to him. But yeah, I think she killed the crap out of him personally. Um I'm not saying he didn't deserve it because the guy they were describing had quite the story if anybody was listening. He's married with two kids, left her, her instantly for the girl. Yeah. Told Carol, here's a gun in case I try to kill you. You just shoot me. Ended up with her, had had a girlfriend in Costa Rica. So I think he was getting the lever. So she fed him to a few of those lions. I'm not mad at her. I get it. Well, uh, even if she I, didn't, um, the the possibility of it gave us the outstanding cut here, Kitty Kitty by dude. Joe Exotica and yeah. and the the video. How did neither of those win CMAs? Is it CMAs they're called for Country Music I guess awards or something? I, I, I mean. Where's Joe Exotic been in, in all these awards and, and things for country music? I mean, this is this I'm is irritated. I love I, I watch YouTube animal stuff all the time, and how I never crossed any of these people pisses me off. <laughs> how in the hell were these people not on the trending YouTube videos? I mean, it's the greatest story ever. I love animals. I watch a mil. I watch them every week. Uh, every thing to do with them and i never ran across these guys i'm so totally disappointed in that um but yes the music videos the links he went to it the lyrics i mean when he that lyric said i saw a tiger and a tiger saw a man (laughs) i lost i lost it i had to pause i lost it dude look at the extent he went to find a carol look-alike for the video i mean that took time i thought it was her briefly that, yeah, that took yeah. effort. I mean, I it's don't not know even that it was any good. It's the effort that went into all of it. It's Tim. The, tr- the trolling effort was a plus across the board for this guy. Every, oh gosh. What about when he just shot the mannequin who looked just like her? By the way. Exactly. Every, yeah, but the mannequin yeah. looked just like her. Where'd you find it, Joe? She had Don's head on a platter as she was serving it to the tigers in the video. <laughs> Dude, it's insane. Yes, yeah. it's insane. So yes, to answer Philly, I do 
think she did it. Eh, whether or not he deserved it, I'm on the fence. Probably so, would be my guess. <laughs> he married her, so that that's strike one against my boy. Yeah. He ain't the first one to fall victim to a crazy woman, though. I mean, let the record show. No. no. You know? I love my wife the most when she's crazy. Absolutely. Hey, uh, so we have Crimson D247. He wants to get back into some football talk. Uh, do you buy, Tim, that five-star offensive tackle prospect Amarius Mims of Bleckley County uh, in Cochran, Georgia, do you buy that Mims in fact does have Alabama atop his list of potential schools as a class of 2021 prospect? Nah, I don't. <laughs> I think it comes on April 1st. You know, we saw a few April Fool's jokes, including OJ Simpson tweeting out, I did it, hashtag April Fool's. Good one, ah, OJ. Good one, OJ. Good one. Um, so, no, I don't really. I think he was having a little bit of fun. I think Alabama's in that top school list for him, and, you know, it's going to sort of depend where other guys go. Uh, those dominoes on the offensive line will start falling. But they got Sal Sinceri, he's recruiting him. Kyle Flood's recruiting him. Uh, Sal's a really good recruiter when he digs in on somebody. So Alabama's got a chance there. But, no, nah, I don't – any kid – it's hard for a kid uh, to who's been wide open to name a leader publicly and me trust him. That's been a long time since that's happened. CCAC AC97 next up says he is increasingly seeing Bama coaches tweet various videos, pictures, recruiting graphics that, in his opinion anyway, are very specific shots at the University of Georgia. We know Nick is not a fan of Kirby's hiring strategies. CCAC AC97 continues. But have you felt a sense of a larger rivalry growing between the staff's programs as a whole? September the 19th seems like it's building up to be an even bigger, a grudge match between these two. What do you think of that, Tim? I mean, I don't – I see Kirby a little differently, I think, than other people do. I just think he's a competitive guy that wants to win. He was that way at Alabama. I mean, there, there wasn't – he wasn't a guy that took it easy when he played Georgia – he wanted to, you know, he wanted to beat their ass. I mean, I know he was, that was an intense week for Kirby. I think that's just the competitor he is. Uh, yeah, it'll get a little nasty. Um, anytime you have people trying to, it's easy for the guy on top not to fight tooth and nail because he's already on top, but the ones below him often do whatever they do to get on top. And then it's sort of, you know, revolving door up, up at the, up at the top. So, um, yeah, I think the Alabama guys are being a little bit more active. The coaches on Twitter, it makes sense. Um, being a little bit more high profile, you know, also don't forget we're in the middle of a quarantine. They got free time so yeah. they, they can tweet out, you know, they can tweet out some links, but I think they're all, they do want to be a little, little bit more, uh, more visible, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the rivalry with Kirby was going to happen at some point, regardless Kirby was, was not going to stay at Alabama forever. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt was not going to stay. They were going to go most likely to the area they're most comfortable with, with is this SEC. Kirby could have been at Auburn. Yeah. You talk about, about a nasty Alabama-Georgia <laughs> rivalry. Imagine Kirby Smart at Auburn and playing these guys every year and recruiting in the same state. That would have been, in, you know, that would have been insane or same if Pruitt was there. So uh, I think the rivalry is good for football. I like it. Yeah, and you know, recently you had Scott Cochran making the move over to UGA from Alabama, but I think you really hit on it in terms of proximity. 
you know, Kirby Smart wasn't going to Colorado like Mel Tucker, okay, when he got his opportunity. It was going to be right here in the Southeastern Conference. Same for Jeremy Pruitt. So I don't understand what some people might have expected the sort of fallout to be. They are in the same league. They are systematically very similar in what they do in the three phases of the game, which means when it comes to recruiting, they're going to be in on pretty much the same guys uh, for the most part, and they're going to cross paths. Kirby's going to try to cherry pick uh, the state of Alabama as best he can. We know that Nick and Alabama are going to go to Georgia, and Jeremy Pruitt similar in all that now up at Tennessee. Uh, as well. Jambama, your boy, your boy Jambama, Tim, here in the mm-hmm. roundtable mailbag. Uh, he's asking us if we watch the HBO special, The Scheme. Uh, the Scheme, of course, is based on the federal investigation into college basketball here in the last couple of years, specifically the involvement of shoe companies, grassroots basketball, Christian Dawkins. Uh, sort of the, the centerpiece of this special on HBO. I did watch it, by the way, Jam Bama. Uh, I don't think Tim did, but Tim, in you know, all the time, you, you, you lived it, kind of. You saw it firsthand yeah. in covering grassroots See, basketball. Been there, done it. Yeah, nothing on that tape is going to surprise me. Um, I mean, I remember, like, you know, I was the national basketball editor at, at Rivals when we were across the street before we – we uh, came to 24/7 Sports, so I was on the AAU circuit half the year and then half the year on BOL. And uh, I remember everybody always talking about how dirty football was. I was like, "Shit, <laughs> <laughs> y'all ain't seen nothing yet." You, you guys spend a June with me, you know. You guys spend a June with me. So uh, obviously there, you know, it was a thin line. It was so bad at the events at the end when I was uh, sort of, you know, making the switch to full time BOL was. Uh, They'd have NCAA people at the tournaments walking to make sure you didn't have any NCAA violations. I'm, I'm not going to wow. name the coach, but he's in the SEC. And I was at a, an event in Atlanta, and I was sitting there with one of the, the guys that put it on. It was one of the shoe company guys, and he was like, SOB, are you kidding me? He said, I'm sorry, I'll be right back. So he co- goes up to the coach and he's laying into him. He is, you, you got to go, you got to go. I could see him like heated words. Wow. And like just frustrated. He came back. He said, that is the second time today and one time last night I've told him he can't stay at this hotel. He cannot stay here with the players. It's an NCAA violation, which would get the shoe company in trouble. Same SEC coach. All right. Later that night, he came back a third time the same day. Four times. One time he came with his wife's hotel, his uh, wife's credit card, trying to get the hotel in her name. Just dead set on staying at that hotel, even though because if you're in the hotel, you're gonna you know, you're gonna bump into him, right? Because everywhere I turn, every time I turned around, I saw a kid we had ranked in the top 150 at the time. So that was the benefit of how bad they wanted to do it. But he was literally stationed in the restaurant area, staring at the front desk. That He said, this is my whole damn day. This is all I got to do is just sit wow. here and make sure. He was, yeah, he was pretty upset that he even had to do it. He called it babysitting. So nothing surprises me. Yeah, and this is a – you're talking about a sitting SEC basketball coach right now that we're oh, referring absolutely, to? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Gosh. Absolutely. Wow. absolutely. I've got two or three in mind that come to – was Coming not the in the way. SEC when this happened, I'll say that. But he was a college basketball coach at the time. 
Absolutely. Well, he's at the event for sure. Absolutely. Gee, I, I think that narrows it down to like one for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was a, it was an interesting uh, – now, don't get me wrong. I'm not picking one out because they all did it. There was always – Maybe he was the coach at UMass at the time. I don't know. I, hey, you know, I'm not – I can't not confirm or deny. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, I do know, like, I'd walk in before they had the NCAA people there – and they had the section roped off. Like, I was media. I could sit with the parents. I could sit where I wanted. I often sat alone because I didn't like people working me. When they found out we were doing rankings, the parents were working. You know, I was like, oh, did you see that bounce pass? Yeah, that's unbelievable. Top 100. You know, they just forget. They get carried away with it. So well, they had the coaches sort of boxed off. Now, first, I used to see the coaches with the parents and the players. I knew that was a no-no. Uh-huh. And then the boldest one is when they finally started boxing the coaches off. I'd walk by, there'd be a player or a parent sitting with all the coaches. I mean, sitting in the box, just with right. them with all like the biggest, like this, it's signs everywhere saying this is coaches only. So all small stuff, you know, at the end of the day, but we, 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 we know the big stuff. Yeah. The scheme, if you haven't seen it, I, I would recommend it. I, even if you kind of have a pretty good understanding of, what the underbelly of, of college basketball and college basketball recruiting has consisted of for, I don't know, 40 years now or so. Um, it's still fascinating just from the perspective of Christian Dawkins and kind of, you know, his upbringing, how he got into it, um, you know, how the process played out, how he was really the prime target for federal investigators looking to take down some of the biggest name coaches in the sport. Uh, and by the way, the federal government failed and all of that, really, nothing yes. that we were promised ever came to fruition, sort of taking the top off of college basketball. Remember when we were told that was going to happen? Uh, mm-hmm. Still hasn't. And I will say this, Tim, I mean, if you needed any more context on maybe some things that's going on with Sean Miller at Arizona or what's happened in the past with Will Wade at LSU, uh, it's provided for you. And it's right there on those wiretaps and uh, you know, people forget, too, Chuck Person of Auburn was involved in this, too. And so you had a couple of SEC programs. But right to this point anyway, Tim, the NCAA has been silent on the issue uh, when it comes yeah, to. They just, that's they they've that's the most. I mean, there's no need going into a NCAA ramp, but they're they suck. They're terrible. There's yeah. no consistency. I don't know why they even investigated if. uh you know, they weren't really going to do anything. They just waste a lot of time and money. I mean, they knew what they were facing. I mean, this whole thing, you know, now that this has been going on forever, you know, you got coaches still coaching that were accused of it, coaches that are fired that were accused, accused of it. I mean, it's just been a, to me, it's just been a whole, it's been much ado about nothing, to be honest. I mean, yeah, it was good, a dog and pony show. Yeah, and, it's a good talk, but the NCAA looks so flaccid, you know, they have, oh. they have, they have no juice, like compared to even 15 years ago. I mean, 15 years ago, they would have already dropped some hammers on some folks just on what they've got on this, and the schools and the coaches. I mean, Rick Pitino's back in college coaching. I mean, he's at Iona. He got another job. Um, you know, the the schools and these coaches involved are just like, we'll lawyer up, and then we'll dare you to come get us. And the NCAA, as you said. Uh, impotent, I guess, one way to describe it yeah. uh, these days when it comes to uh, that scenario. Hey, Tim, Abrel Bama 58-18 ask here. Uh, if there isn't football this year, do we think the NCAA will extend seniors' eligibility 
for the fall like they did the spring student athletes and if they do will they use the same basis and not count seniors against the 2021 recruiting class numbers uh probably more so the total of 85 is where that adjustment would be made tim i gotta think if it was done for spring sports uh and this for carries over through the fall and there isn't football i would think you would you would sort of rubber stamp the same thing but again financially for some of these group of fives especially man you start blowing that fully funded football number from 85 out to say like 100 uh it, it, it could be really tough for for some of those for some of those programs to to shoulder not so much the power fives but maybe the mid to mid majors to group of fives yeah, I think the whole the whole thing sucks. I mean, still, I'm, I'm probably gonna use that like a little kid mad at something, but I mean, it's it's a it's a mess. I mean, I, I they have to do the right thing. You can't these guys can't lose their eligibility. You got issues with guys who went back to college. Does Najee come back if he misses this year? I mean, Najee's just one example among many. Um, who's draft eligible? You know what I mean? Which sophomores are draft eligible now? I mean, there's just a whole smorgasbord of stuff. I think they have to do the right thing and give them eligibility. But then again, like you said, we're going to be looking at 100 scholarship kids on campus. That affects playing time. Um, at the at the end of the day, I think the, the first thing they have to do is they've got to do what's right by the kids. Yeah. So I think everything else, you know, even I'm ranting about all the other stuff. I think they have to do what's best for the kids. And I think what's best for the kids is give them the option to come back as seniors again if they want to, if they miss the season. Um, I don't see any way around that. Do you? I don't. I, I, You know, it was interesting with the spring sports student athletes that, you know, the NCAA said, you know, there was basically blanket additional year of eligibility for all spring sports student athletes. So that means whether you were a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, you could have that extra year added on. It wasn't just limited to seniors, but I think more realistically, we are talking about seniors only, you know, as as unfair as that may seem to, to kids in the, in the freshman, sophomore, junior classes. I, I just don't know how most of these athletic departments are going to be able to take on the financial burden. I mean, we're already seeing even some power fives, um, you know, cut back on on salaries for, for some of the, their department employees. Just with what's happened to this point, you outline a potential scenario of no football and the revenues lost from that to go along with what we've seen already in this new year. Oof. Uh, it's not just the group of fives that will be hurting. I mean, there will be there will be more than a few power fives that are struggling to make ends meet. Uh, should it play out that way as well, Tim? I'm looking here, and I think I think we're pretty good here on the uh, on the mailbag. Uh, enjoyed it as always. Good stuff. Thought the draft was fun. I think we pretty yeah. much hit on it. Yeah, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, we will have something else to talk about. We might. Uh... Maybe we'll get bored and do an entire Alabama draft. <laughs> every player saves all time. Yeah. yeah. Well, what player, we could do is just do, do the first round picks. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking a about after the first round picks. There's been 29, so <laughs> absolutely <laughs> that, that would take up a full pod. We got a lot of options for you people. Do not go away. <laughs> exactly. And look, we we can't stress this enough how appreciative we are of our of our our team. Really, our uh, are a little dysfunctional at times, maybe family, but, uh, 
can't thank all the the subscribers and the BOLers in general, Tim, especially in these tough times. And you know, we've tried to uh, make the the website and the the network as affordable as possible. With we're offering this seventy five percent off on an annual membership. I believe that runs through Thursday at midnight, Tim. So. You know, we're trying to make it as as easy on people as we possibly can to to become a part of what we've got at BamaOnline.com. But certainly, those who have been with us can't thank them enough, Tim. No, I you know I agree. I mean, tough times. We're glad to have you around. The boards have been particularly active. Uh, you know, every time I look, there's good discussion going on. It uh, it's a uh, 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 easier. I mean, there's a lot of discussion about the virus, but there's a lot of discussion about everything. I mean, everybody's kind of in the same boat with us. So I think we sort of get it, you know, and it's, it's, I don't know if you're like me, I love my family, but I need, I need other conversations. I look forward to our podcast because it's an hour, hour and 25 minute conversation with someone I didn't speak with in the last six minutes. Yeah. So good. It's good. Yeah. It's good. I like to get out and see how everybody's doing and keep up with everybody. So We'll be there if they need us. Absolutely. We like to be that uh, maybe positive distraction for you, but certainly uh, the personal stories that we see there on the roundtable with how this is impacting folks, uh, not only from an Alabama fan base perspective, but beyond is uh, a big part of what we're trying to help with as well. So for Tim Watts, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again for tuning in to T Watts and TR here on the Built by Bama online podcast. If you haven't already, Give us a subscription to the Built by Bama online podcast, maybe a rating and a review while you're there. It'll help us out with the old algorithm, as it's called. Thanks a lot, Tim. All right. See you next week, buddy. Until next time, keep it locked to BamaOnline.com for continuing coverage for all things Alabama Crimson Tide. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.